the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Chinese citizens protest zero-tolerance COVID lockdowns. People in Shanghai calling Xi Jinping to step down over and over again. President Joe Biden looks to ban assault rifles. Not just politicians saying that we need to do something for the sake of doing it, which is very dishonest. I think the facts really matter. The U.S. bans the sale of certain Chinese tech, citing national security concerns. The import and sale of these equipment have been deemed as unacceptable risk to national security. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Monday, November 28th. I'm Mike Scott. While many Americans celebrated Thanksgiving with their families, in China, many families, friends, and strangers gathered in protest over the COVID zero-tolerance lockdown policies. The protests were shocking to many in the international media. Some of the largest protests were found in the financial hub of Shanghai, the capital of Beijing. In many parts of the country, residents in lockdown neighborhoods tore down barriers and took to the streets. These protesters are chanting, Down with Xi. This protester says they believe she only cares about himself. First, it's because of the Xi Jinping, the president, uh, we should end his uh, dictatorship because he only care about his uh, his. Uh, he only care about himself, his dictatorship. So this is why many people died of him. These protests were sparked by a deadly fire at an apartment block in the capital of a far western region, Xinjiang, which killed 10 and injured nine others. Videos of the incident were posted on social media. It seemed to suggest that it was COVID lockdown policies that delayed firefighters from reaching victims. Fabian Kretschmer is a journalist currently under lockdown in China. This afternoon, local time, my building uh, got locked down. Um, why? Because one neighbor tested positive during the daily mass tests that we are facing already for many months now. And uh, to give you an idea, I mean, my building has 25 floors. Uh, so one person um, is positive. That means we all have to stay uh, inside the building. And lockdown, that's, that means that we are physically prevented from leaving. If I go downstairs, then um, at the building entrance, there will be a half a dozen people, members of the local neighborhood committee and also health workers in full hazmat suits. And yeah, they, they built up a fence. If I want to, you know, across that line, they will get very unfriendly. So you're, you're literally locked in your own home. And that's the fate that many Beijingers or, I mean, several hundred millions of Chinese in the country are facing right now. So I'm not the only one. Kretschmer says that the unpredictability of the lockdowns are a strain on both the mental and economic health 
of those in lockdown. This really unpredictability, that's exactly what makes us so mentally unnerving. You don't know how long it will last. Um, the, the neighborhood committee who runs uh, our residential compound also doesn't know. They won't give you any answer, so it could be five days. But who knows if they discover another case, could be another five days. This could go on and on. And uh, really, even if we um, are free um, and, you know, everything is fine in one week, then, you know, it's only a matter of time until we get locked lo- lock down again. I mean, it's enough if only one... Um, person in the whole building tests positive again. So really you have a very deep um, sense of unpredictability. You cannot plan for the next week. And uh, for me, I mean, I'm rather privileged, but I mean, all the migrant workers, if they get locked down, then um, they don't have much savings. So they really um, uh, are under an existential economic threat here. Kretschmer says that, sadly, the tragedy is not the first time people have died due to China's strict COVID lockdown policies. That was really a very tragic uh, incident. Um, on Thursday night, a fire broke out. There was in a high-rise residential building on the 15th floor. And, um, yeah, the, the claims are that, you know, those 10 deaths could have been prevented if there was not a, you know, uh, excessive lockdown because the rescue workers, they needed a very long time to get to the building um, because of all the fences, the uh, restrictions of movement. Then also the um, uh, um, people in the compound, they could not leave so easily because there were locks. Uh, the, apparently the fire exit also is supposed to have been locked. And, I mean, that's very credible. I've seen that in also quarantine facilities here that, you know, the exit um, are really with an iron locked um, uh, closed. So, I mean, that's very tragic. And it's not the first time that people are dying because of the tragic side effects of those lockdowns. It's really uh, sparked a lot of anger. And people in Udomuchi, are, they've gone to the streets, they've protested, and they do that under very, very great risk and under great danger. But still they're so fed up they have nothing to lose they went on to the streets and actually it helped uh, the next day the the local government said okay we're basically clearing up now and um, relaxing some of the restrictions the lockdown journalist goes on to say that in spite of these strict lockdowns cases are rising it's hard to see a light at the end of the tunnel because even despite those really strong lockdowns, the cases are rising. Um, uh, Beijing is posting record high numbers. The country is also posting uh, record high numbers, also the, the, the already the fourth consecutive day. So, um, I mean, the, the, the restrictions will go on if the government doesn't change its course. But right now they're really doubling down on zero COVID. So um, I don't see any solution for that. There's really a lot of frustration here. Selena Wang is a CNN correspondent in China and says it cannot be understated how historic these protests are. What we are witnessing right now, it's an extraordinary historic moment in China. These protests are breaking out across the country, from here in the capital in Beijing to elite college campuses to other major metropolises and even far-flung cities. This is an unprecedented level of public dissent since Xi Jinping took power a decade ago. What we're seeing is people past their breaking point. It's years of pent-up anger. This is three years of draconian lockdowns that have cost people's lives, their livelihoods. But the trigger for this wave of protests was a deadly fire in Xinjiang that killed at least 10 people. Videos of the scene indicated that COVID restrictions prevented victims from getting help. But these protesters, not just angry about COVID lockdowns, they're also targeting their anger towards the supreme leader himself. Wang explains how dangerous it is for protesters to publicly call for Xi Jinping and the Communist Party members to step down. 
people in Shanghai calling Xi Jinping to step down over and over again. Those chants go on for quite some time. They're also calling for the Communist Party to step down. I can't overstate just how shocking it is to hear this, hear this crowd in Shanghai, China's wealthiest and most cosmopolitan city, and that chanting happening in a central upscale part of the city to be directly calling out for Xi Jinping to resign. I mean, this is virtually unheard of. And in China, it is extremely dangerous to publicly criticize the party, especially Xi himself. You risk prison time or even worse. Some protesters also chanted they don't want COVID tests. They don't want dictatorship. They want freedom and democracy. Wang says that the fire that killed 10 struck a chord with Chinese people. The government is in a difficult place right now because COVID cases continue to surge, continue to rise. And the party's line has been that they need to keep zero COVID because it's protecting the vulnerable elderly population where the vaccination rates are still lagging behind. But after that fire in Xinjiang, after there were protests in Xinjiang and across the country, the government did say it was going to start to relax some of the COVID lockdowns there. But at the same time, you have state media publishing headlines that are basically doubling down on zero COVID, saying it is the best policy for China. And I just want to reiterate that fire in Xinjiang, Paula, it, it really triggered people's worst nightmares here because it's really the idea that any one of us here in the country could have been stuck in a lockdown building while a fire is raging, unable to get out or to get help. After three years of heavy COVID lockdowns, many people have been pushed to the brink, not just over the Communist Party's pandemic policies, but also their censorship laws and continued onslaught on personal freedom. On Thursday, on the heels of a mass shooting at a LGBT club in Colorado Springs, and a deadly shooting at a Walmart in Queensbury, Virginia. President Joe Biden once again called for a ban on assault weapons. Red flag laws, period, just based on knowledge, not on uh, parents saying or loved ones saying, you should arrest this person now for their own sake. It's ridiculous. We got a, one of the first red flag laws in the state of Delaware, my son Bo, is the one enforcing it. And it made a lot of difference. It saves lives. That's number one. Number two, the idea, the idea we still allow semi-automatic weapons to be purchased is sick. It's just sick. It has no, no social redeeming value. Zero. None. Not a single solitary rationale for it except profit for the gun manufacturer. Can you do anything about gun laws during the lame duck, sir? I'm going to try. What will you try and do? I'm going to try to get rid of assault weapons. During the lame duck? I'm going to do it whenever I, I got to make that assessment as I get in and start counting the votes. White House spokesperson Corinne Jean-Pierre says that in the next few weeks, the president will be meeting with Republican and Democrat leaders on what his priorities will look like in the upcoming lame duck session. But banning assault weapons is a priority. He wants to have conversations with Democratic and Republican leaders uh, in the House and the Senate. Uh, and, uh, you know, and to talk about what that lame duck, that priorities is going to look like. But when it comes to, again, when it comes to assault ban, uh, getting a banning assault weapons, uh, this is something that is personal to him. This is something that he's an issue that he's worked on for so long, and we don't think it should be. It should have happened months ago. It should have happened years ago. 
Uh, and, um, you know, we should have communities that are safe for our kids. We should have communities uh, that are safe for families. We should have communities that are safe for Americans across the country. Uh, but I'm not going to get into specifics of priorities. However, Second Amendment experts are quick to point out that one of the issues with a blanket assault weapons ban is that they're using an inexact term to describe a group of semi-automatic rifles. Still, experts point to instances where state laws, which have enacted such bans, are being challenged in court, gaining strength from a Supreme Court ruling in June that expanded gun rights. Former Wisconsin Governor Scott Walker joined the Salem Radio Network and says that the focus should be less on the gun and more on the mental health. You've got to have a, a countermeasure to this. When I was governor uh, years ago, we initiated a number of things to improve school safety, put our money where our mouth was, uh, did more to put officers uh, into schools, did more to reinforce schools, and did more to deal with mental health issues. But what we've seen in Texas, as we've seen elsewhere, time and time again, particularly coming off of this pandemic, uh, we've got a mental health crisis, particularly amongst young people. And, uh, you know, these feel-good Gun control laws aren't addressing those issues, and that's really really where we should be spending our time. Walker also believes that gun control measures don't address people who will break the law anyway. The, the proposals being uh, thrown around the United States Senate aren't really addressing the issues with uh, people not willing to follow the law and with people falling into the trap of mental health issues. Townhall.com editor Katie Pavlich explains that the weapon used in most mass shootings is a handgun, not an assault rifle. He's going to call for an assault weapons ban without, defend, without defining what an assault weapon mm -hmm. is. Uh, if we're going to talk about semi-automatic rifles, that's something we can talk about. But the facts are, according to the National Institute of Justice, which is a Department of Justice outlet, 77% of mass shootings are committed with handguns. So if we're going to talk about things that actually work, we need to talk about, th you know, not just politicians saying that we need to do something for the sake of doing it, which is very dishonest. I think the facts really matter. Pavlich says that according to the Constitution, there are just some things the federal government can't do. So when it comes to, you know, issues of actually getting things done, there are certain things that the federal government just cannot do. And, you know, when it comes to accusing Republicans of being pro-kid killer, it's a non-starter completely. When the president doesn't know the difference between a 9 millimeter handgun round and what the definition of an assault rifle is, that's also a problem. Also, there's a big difference between what the media has been saying, what people in Washington, D.C. are saying, and what the rest of the country thinks. Pavlich states that gun violence and any prescriptions are very complicated and require more than a one-size-fits-all solution. It's a complicated issue. Uh, the left tends to throw a label on everything and act like there's a one-size-fits-all policy. I think the mental health aspect of it is important, but then we get into issues about veterans not seeking mental health care because they may not be able to exercise their Second Amendment rights. So it's a complicated issue. The White House has claimed that the 1990s ban that President Joe Biden was instrumental in helping secure as a senator saw mass shootings decline. When it expired in 2004, they say, shootings tripled. However, experts say that the reality is that the data on the effectiveness of that ban is mixed at best. And there are other measures that are not as politically charged that may be more effective. 
Democrats have blamed the 1990s ban for Democrats losing control of Congress in 1994. California Governor Gavin Newsom told the White House he won't challenge President Biden in 2024. Daybreak Insider congressional correspondent Bernie Bennett has more on this story from the Capitol. Governor Gavin Newsom has won three elections in five years in America's largest state, is apologetic about his party's messaging defects, and wants the world to know going forth he's not going to challenge President Biden for the Democratic nomination in 2024. His message to White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain and First Lady Joe Biden over the summer was to count him as a firm supporter of Mr. Biden's re-election. Newsom relayed the same to the president on election night in November. He has been seen by many as a political threat from within the party of the 80-year-old commander-in-chief. Bernie Bennett reporting. According to numerous studies during the 18 months that President Biden has been in the White House, his administration has spent nearly $4 trillion leading many economic experts to believe that the Biden administration, at least in large part, is the reason that inflation remains at a 40-year high while the economy is teetering on a full-on recession. With Republicans winning back control of the House, the GOP has a means now to check President Biden's agenda. Incoming House Judiciary Committee Chairman Jim Jordan of Ohio joined the Salem Radio Network and says Republicans can now get down to the business of the American people. Yeah, I mean, it's good that we won. It's good that we got the majority and we can we can begin to um, push back on this crazy left uh, agenda of the Biden administration, hopefully curtail some of the crazy spending. And then also, as we talked about several times, do uh, do the oversight work that we're required to do under the Constitution. Jordan says that the White House has politicized the Justice Department over the last two years. The political nature of the Justice Department, uh, I, I say all the time, we live in the greatest country ever, but America is not America if you have a Justice Department that is treating people differently under the law, not treating people equally under the law as they're required to. And that is exactly what we have. The Ohio congressman goes on to say that the Justice Department in the last two years has been targeting former President Donald Trump. You had last week the, the Attorney General of the United States select Jack Smith as the special counsel. Now, this comes on the heels of, of seven years of investigating President Trump. And I know we've pointed out before, but, you know, in 2016, they spied on his campaign. 2018, it was the Mueller report. 2020, uh, they suppressed the Hunter Biden story, which, which we talked about some last week in a press conference we did with, with uh, Mr. Comer. Jordan says any disunity in the Republican Party is not as bad as the discord between Democrats. I always point out any difference between um, moderate Republicans and conservative Republicans in the House of Representatives pales in comparison to the difference between Republicans and the left, which now controls the Democrat Party and all the crazy things they have done over the last couple of years with full control of the federal government. Brendan Carr, commissioner of the Federal Communications Commission, released a statement saying that the government agency has banned the import and sale of certain Chinese technology that it has deemed to be, quote, an unacceptable risk to national security, end quote. U.S. Federal Communications Commission has imposed a ban on import and sale of communication equipment from Chinese firms Huawei Technologies and ZTE. This is the latest escalation in U.S. policy towards Chinese tech giants. These companies have been listed as a threat, and the new ban further prevents authorization of their equipment. 
The import and sale of these equipment have been deemed as unacceptable risk to national security. The Federal Communications Commission said that they were committed to protect national security, adding that the latest bans were part of an effort to guard against security threats. The U.S. has been increasingly cautious of Chinese equipment in recent times. The latest ban also affects some companies that deal with video surveillance equipment. The U.S. had previously banned Huawei from supplying government systems. They have also strongly discouraged using their equipment in the private sector. Authorities feel that Huawei equipment could be taken over by Chinese intelligence. U.S. also put Huawei on a trade blacklist in 2019. The news comes on the heels of the FCC's concerns surrounding the social media app TikTok, which is owned by a Chinese company, ByteDance, due to concerns over data sharing. FCC Chairwoman Jessica Rosenworcel also released a statement saying that the new rules are part of the Commission's ongoing efforts to protect the American people from national security threats. The White House is sending mixed messages about negotiations to prevent a nationwide rail strike. Daybreak Insider's White House correspondent Greg Cluxton has more on this developing story. Earlier this week, Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre said President Biden was an active participant in talks with the railroad companies and unions. The president is indeed involved directly, uh, but I, I don't want to get into details at this time, but he has been involved. But on Thanksgiving, the president told reporters he was not directly engaged in the talks. Manufacturing and retail groups warned that a rail strike could idle shipments of food and fuel while inflicting billions of dollars of damage to an already struggling national economy. Greg Clugston, Washington. Humans are not the only ones living longer. Daybreak Insider's Tasha Stevens breaks down the numbers in this story. Well, Thursday we heard about Flossie, the world's oldest cat. Now we're hearing about Gino, the world's oldest dog. The 22-year-old Chihuahua from Los Angeles was born in the year 2000 and adopted when he was two years old. His owner was in college when he adopted Gino, and he and his roommates raised him. Tasha Stevens reporting. Irene Cara, the singer and actress best known for her hit song from the 1980 film Fame, has died. Her publicist says her cause of death is unknown. Kara won an Academy Award for Best Original Song for Fame, then won another Oscar three years later for the song Flashdance. What a feeling. She recently said she was in semi-retirement, living off her royalties and enjoying her home by the beach in Florida. Born in 1959 in the Bronx, New York City, Kara was the youngest of five children and started her career on Spanish-language TV. In 1980, Kara skyrocketed to fame when she landed the role of Coco Hernandez in the film Fame and also sang the movie's title track. The singer would later co-write and sing the vocals for Flashdance, What a Feeling, from the 1983 movie Flashdance. That song won Kara a Grammy for Best Female Pop Vocal Performance as well as an Academy Award for Best Original Song. According to Kara's publicist who announced the singer's passing, the cause of death at this time is unknown. Irene Kara was 63. 
subscribe to the Daybreak Insider Podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at srnnews.com and townhall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.